Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Wicked Wicked Mysterious. Mysterious. Katie makes us say this together. (laughs) We have to. (laughs) I I love it. I'm your host, Danny, And I'm Katie. And this is episode number two. Yay. Yay, we're back. We're back. How was your week? It was nice. How about yours? It was good. It was cold. It was was cold. Yep, it felt like winter. Yes. Summer really. It was shocking to the system. Yeah, summer booted out real yeah, quick just yeeted yeah <laughs> yeeted, yeeted right. itself right out <laughs> um, um yeah I, I hate this i i'm all for fall but usually it's yeah a nice that's ease what into i it. keep telling people everybody loves fall it's like pretty soon there's gonna be no fall right. like we our seasons are not the same i agree so we have lala here with us lala is so distractive she's so fat and cute and she's just so sitting. fat she's so fat she looks like a just a big round i can't blob. focus with a cat like this in front of me yeah we're gonna have to kick her off your nose because um <laughs> she's just taking up a lot of space here okay so yeah. you have a story for us this week i do yes i do about a gentleman named steven kubaki Ooh, <laughs> you don't know about this story i don't um i know the name and i know it's a disappearance of some sort mm-hmm. but that's all i know cool I heard there's a very similar disappearance to him. I'd like to look into it. I think that they disappeared from New York also skiing. Yes. Or they were like from Canada originally, but ended up going to New York and went missing. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I want to look into that. Yeah. That'll be another episode. This one, I think I was confused because I thought he went missing in mass and came back in mass or something like that. But he's just from mass, right? Right. Yes. He's just from Massachusetts. Yes. Okay. Yes. So our our man Stephen Kubaki here was born November eighth, nineteen fifty four, and that makes him a Scorpio. Which I'm a Scorpio, so I'm maybe maybe that was why I was partial to this one. You know, <laughs> first thing off the bat, uh, yeah, he was born in Deerfield, Mass, and grew up there his whole life. Um, at his birth, his mom actually was suffering from some severe pneumonia, and sadly, he went unheld for six entire weeks. That's very sad. Yes. Oh, your face looks so sad. Babies need their mamas, you know? Poor Stephen. That skin to skin. It's so important, we know now, you know? Um, so, yeah, anyway, he grew up, he was super smart, and his parents were the typical blue-collar, you know, workers, fact- the factory workers, actually. And it was clear that Stephen was going to take his own path. He was going to be a college man. He loved the outdoors and skiing, backpacking, hiking, and rock rock climbing, and especially Dungeons and Dragons. Very interesting. Right? And I, I think Deerfield, um, it looks like it's in Western Mass. Yep, Western. near the Appalachian Trail, I think, or mm-hmm. at least near mountains. So I'm yeah. sure he had that right there. Yep. Yeah, he clearly, if it was like one of his, you know, favorite things to do. Yeah. So he was really like well-versed with the outdoors and stuff. So um, he, he went and attended Hope University, which is kind of where our story starts um over in holland michigan in a very small and conservative christian campus i'm sorry excuse us we have a cat i have a very (laughs) fat adorable cat being very distractive 
sitting on the notes. Yes. So yes, it was a very small college, a Christian college, and he lived off of campus because he wasn't Christian. He was a Satanist, wasn't he? <laughs> no, no, Stephen was not a Satanist. He just, you know, he just wasn't too Christian, I guess, enough for that campus. So anyway, his friends described him as being friendly and creative, outgoing, and sometimes eccentric, but also brilliant. So we know that Stephen is a very, very smart, smart man, which I think doesn't help with the theories when you get to like about his disappearance, because it's like, hmm, Mm -hmm. was he just like calculating this entire thing himself because he was so smart? I don't know. Let's get on with it here. So um, that's what his friend just described him as. And the dean of the college described him as weird. So anyway, in 1978, he was 24 years old. And just a couple of months from graduating college, he was studying in history with an emphasis on German language. He had previously studied abroad at the University of Freiburg in Germany. And while he was there, he had an affair with a beautiful professor. Wow. I know. He was like living the life, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So on February 18th, 1978, Stephen was hanging around the campus and was like, hey, guys, I'm going to go on a solo ski trip. And they were like, oh, you do that. You know, everybody didn't think it was weird at all. But he was just going to go on this solo ski trip aside Lake Michigan. So when nobody had heard from him the next day, You know, people are like, this is weird. But then it wasn't until the following day, February 20th, 1978, that two snowmobilers found a backpack and a set of skis and poles. They were placed neatly eight inches apart facing Lake Michigan. And the footprints found went 20 yards in a trail of snow to the icy lake. And it stopped right at the edge of the ice. Was the lake completely frozen? It was. We're talking February. So he could have walked across, but there were no footprints? So there was there was an icy edge in the lake where it stopped, and then it was broken into the you know water, and his footprints went right to the edge of the ice. I see. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't odd to his family and his friends that he would walk out on the ice, because that was just him. Apparently, he would take that risk and walk on out. But there had been, like, tons of deaths in Lake Michigan prior. Like, I mean, when I was looking into the amount of people that have died in Lake Michigan, I was just like baffled. It's it's insane. But he was missing and everybody, you know, was kind of assuming by the footprints that he had fallen in and drowned. You know, there was a big search, helicopters, snowmobiles were involved, but there was no sign of Stephen. This reminds me of The Lady in the Lake. Did you see that on the new Unsolved Mysteries? No. There's um, new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Um, well, there, I think they're a couple, 2020, it says. But The Lady in the Lake was a woman who they found her car abandoned, and they ended up finding her in the lake way later. But it was Lake Michigan, I think. So we're going to yeah. have to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no sign of him at all. So he was just chalked up to dying that they figured he died you know that he fell into the ice and he drowned um so hope college actually awarded him a bachelor's degree in absentia assuming that he died like that's i i never knew that they did that you know it's um i guess he was so close to graduating that they just gave him the degree so um this happened i mean his stuff was found southeastern side of the michigan triangle 
So the Michigan Triangle, it takes up a section of the Lake Mich- Michigan, and it stretches from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. which is that where? Um, yes. Yeah. Making Does, a murderer. Making a murderer guy. Yeah. Can't think of his name. Steven. Steven. Also Steven. Another Steven. Too many Stevens. Oh, stop it. That's cool. So it stretches from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, to Ludington, Michigan, to Benton Harbor, and back to Manitowoc. That's the triangle right there. Okay. Yeah. So there has been several, several. Let's talk about the triangle real quick. Some several mysteries and disappearances in this triangle, like shipwrecks, lots of shipwrecks that just are never found, plane crashes, UFO sightings. In 1891, a schooner named Thomas Hume set off for lumber with seven crew members, never to return or any traces ever be found. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the ship missing ships, they don't really, they don't really like surprise me because I mean, there's a lot of, we're talking about a very, very deep lake. Like I have it here. It's 922 feet maxed up. It's like, we're not going to find the ships at the bottom of that. Yeah. We're not going to find the ships. Most I bet likely. there's all sorts of UFOs at the bottom. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of these disappearances of the ships were just, um, you know, for whatever reason, they they sunk. They sunk and just... went down and they stayed down. The, mm-hmm. the lake takes them. One of the lakes are known for that. I can't think of which one. Um, one of the Great Lakes there. I want to say it's Lake Erie. I'm not sure, though. Can't quote me on that one. Um, that lake there, the lake's, like, motto is, like, it never gives you back when it takes you. Oh. That's, like, in my own words, though. Spooky. You know? Yeah. So in 1921, the Rosabelle ship with 11 passengers disappeared and was found overturned in the lake, mm-hmm. damaged by a collision, but there was no report of any other collision or discovery of any other wreck at all. My thing is like, you're going to see something floating around from, from another boat if you got into a collision. Mm-hmm. April 23rd, 1937, Captain George R. Donner vanished from his cabin after leading his ship through icy waters. He went to rest, and three hours later, when the ship started nearing a port, a crew member found that his door was locked from the inside, but no response from Captain. And he wasn't in there. And he just wasn't in there. And, like, those windows are so small. Those little round windows, there's no way he just, like, jumped out the window to his death, you know? Um but they broke in. Yeah, they found no tra- trace at all, no clues at all, and his disappearance still remains unsolved. Interesting. Yeah. This is just, you know, a few of the mysteries that I came up with here um, from Lake Michigan. But 1950, North Northwest Flight 2501 carrying 58 people crashed into Lake Michigan. No known cause for the crash and no plane or wreckage ever found. The pilot requested to descend to 2,500 because of a severe electrical storm, which was lashing the lake with high-velocity winds when the plane disappeared from the radar. Two hours after last communication with Flight 2501, two policemen reported seeing strange red lights hovering over the lake and lasting 10 minutes before disappearing. Mm. That one's weird because, like, for... The, ca- the pilot to call in that there's severe electrical storm that was lashing the lake with high velocity winds, like, and then it just completely disappeared from the radar. That one is like a hmm for me, you know? That's legit. Like, and it's, 900 feet deep. 
water you'll never find i mean i wonder how long uh, how deep sonar can go is that what they use sonar i always forget the right word for for the for measuring the depths yeah if you're looking for something underwater i think they use sonar sonar how how deep can that go not deep enough i mean we're over here trying to figure out space Mm. and we have an ocean right here that is a whole nother world Mm -hmm. that we're not exploring I know, we're going to talk about that. We have to have an episode about that. We do. We do. Did you know, actually, in Lake Michigan, there's actually Stonehenge at the bottom? Yeah. A Stonehenge. I didn't even talk about that in this episode, or plan to, but here we are. Yeah. But yeah, um, maybe look it up and we can discuss that more. Stonehenge in Lake Michigan? Yep. I'm... Pretty sure, unless I'm confusing another Great Lake, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Stonehenge-like structure found under Lake Michigan. Stonehenge-like structure. Yes, correction. Um, the stones are small and arranged in a shape instead of a circle. A V-shape instead of a circle, excuse me. Hmm. Oh, but there's a rock with like an elephant like, on it. Wow. See, that's cool. That is wicked cool. Well, that's under there. And it's like, how deep is that? Clearly, if they can find that... I mean, that must obviously isn't at the max. Who knows? Maybe it is. That's only 120 feet below. Really? Mm -hmm. That's cool. I can only imagine if that's only 100 and, would you say 120? 120 feet. 120 feet. Imagine what's 922 feet below. It says, um, unreal. I'm sorry. It says the real underwater sensation lies 120 feet below neighboring Lake Huron. An area the size of a football field with dozens of 9,000-year-old artifacts and human-built stone structures that compromise the most complex prehistoric hunting structure ever found beneath Great Lakes. And this is from discovermagazine.com. Like another Atlantis. Yeah. Interesting. Really cool. Wow. So this one is a cool little thing, too. Um, A few few months after Stephen went missing, there was a competitive sailing crew that passed through what I seem to believe is a vortex during a practice run on a calm early summer evening after a sudden dramatic ball of fog and wind filling the main sail from two opposing directions. Three wooden ships took on a life of their own and started to perform synchronized 360 degree turns with nobody steering. That's freaking weird. So is it just, I don't know if they have sails. Isn't that just the wind? I don't really know how sailboats work, but. Yeah, but like three of them (laughs) all to do that in that, you know. Yeah, yeah, the the wind was just coming from two opposing directions. Yeah, so it was just a very sudden fall of fog, you know, Hmm. and the wind came out of like nowhere. Hmm. I don't know. There is speculation that it was like a vortex because like a vortex and a portal. Mm-hmm. are two different things, right? Because like my theory about a lot of these disappearances is maybe there's like a portal somewhere in the in Lake Michigan mm-hmm. that people are just entering and not able to come out. Like the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah, because I mean, all the triangles are all mysteriously kind of linked, I think, mm-hmm. like that. So maybe you literally go into one triangle portal and come out another portal That'd triangle, cool. right? I want to come out the Bermuda Triangle if I go into you the just Michigan. Fall from the sky into the ocean. <laughs> I, that's crazy. You wouldn't end up on like a beach in Bermuda. I just want to end up on the beach in Bermuda. Yeah, I want to like literally just swim out of the ocean and be in Bermuda. That'd be well, so we don't cool. know where Katie is. <laughs> She's missing. Well, we don't really know how these work. So, like, who knows? Maybe the portal's just right there. 
above yeah. water. And not to go too off topic, but I think about that a lot with um, the missing 411. I haven't watched that because there's a lot of child disappearances and I can't yeah. stomach that stuff. Um, yeah. But they, they, they talk a lot about um, just how many people go missing in national forests. And it, it makes me wonder if they're national forests for a reason, if they're protected lands, because there's something there that we don't know. Yeah. Some kind of portal or dimension slip or something. Mm-hmm. It's just cool to think about it like that. Yeah. Many, 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 many drownings in Lake Michigan, like the deadliest. Mm-hmm. There's just severe undercurrents and rip currents and like five to six feet waves that when they come in, they just like hit you and crash on you over and over and you just don't stand a chance. You're just going to be pushed under every five seconds. Wow. People were saying. Yeah. So Lake Michigan has the most drownings, 150 deaths just since 2002. In 2022 alone, at least 84 deaths. So just just this year, 84 deaths. Um, Lake Michigan responsible for 45% of drownings in the Great Lakes this year. More than double the death toll of any other lake. Wow. So it really is that, it is that serious. It's that mysterious. Yep, with that max depth of 922 feet. The Great Lakes are so frigid that bodies do not decompose. And so the gases don't form in them and they stay submerged. So they really, if you drown, you're going to stay under water. Wow. Crazy. Um, 1994, eastern shore of Lake Michigan, in South Holland to be exact, on uh, March 8th of 1994, um, largest reported UFO sighting lasting 15 minutes. Now, we're talking, have you ever heard this about this? I don't think so, maybe. Lake Michigan um, incident with 300 calls from civilians and police officers into 911 talking about these lights in the sky, different colors. Some were um, describing them to be like Christmas lights strung up there. Um, and a lot of people were seeing like cylindrical or round vehicles in the sky. Vehicles? Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> Over the course of two to three weeks, there was like a ton of reports. There were like 10 to 15 calls a day coming in, mm-hmm. including that March 8th incident. But that one was the most widely viewed and reported. Like there was, literally, I was listening to the, some of the cases on YouTube. Actually, there's a case uh, number 62470 on YouTube. If you look it up, there's an audio recording. And I think it's like 23 minutes of a bunch of 911 calls reporting the sightings. It's really interesting. What year was this again? This happened in 1994. Okay, so yep. it wasn't SpaceX? Like No, last it definitely night. wasn't SpaceX. In fact, like the police... There's on that recording, on that YouTube recording, again, case 62470, the Holland, Michigan flap of 1994 is what it's called on YouTube. That had um, the police actually reaching out to Michigan's like weather service, you know, and asking them if they saw anything on the radar. And at first they were like, oh, nothing out of the usual. Like probably weren't paying attention, you know. And then the policeman's like, well, I'm only asking because we've got a ton of people calling in. And so eventually, eventually they do find this object. And the guy's like, this is like nothing I've ever seen before, you know. And it's, it's cool to listen to that, to that audio, like the actual audio of that. And what was the official story? Did they say if it was Air Force or? Nope. It was definitely not Air Force. It was, it was concluded to not be of, of earthly origin. Interesting. Yeah. Really cool. So that, you know, that tells you a lot. That happened 
right there, Holland, Michigan. I mean, Holland, Michigan is... Is Holland, Michigan where he was in college? Yes, I think you said Holland, yeah. Yeah, so, yep, he was in... So, literally, that was right there, you know? So, these um, sightings of these UFOs makes you wonder, you know? But let's get back to Are there to a that. lot of um, missing people? Um, Did you read anything about that? Well, the boats and stuff yeah, on the like water. Yeah, like tons of people so the- gone missing because they were on boats um, or in planes, you know, and they were never found. But um, not so much on the lake of of um, missing. I think dra- people are just assumed drowning if I they, if they don't see. come out of the lake, you know? Okay. Also, now this is this was really, this was a crazy thing. At the same time of Stephen's disappearance, across the lake, Chicago, famous serial killer John Wayne Gacy had just been exposed. Yep. So, you know, for those of you who don't know, which I'm sure most of you do, but Gacy was a suburban contractor who dressed up as a clown for parties during the day, but then lured dozens of men into his home to torture them and bury their bodies on his property. So sick. Like, he loved, loved, loved playing that clown role. I think there's a show on Netflix, I'm pretty sure, about, like, the John Wayne Gacy tapes. It's, like, a four-part series, I think. Yeah. It's so interesting. He's Um, the one who made the skin lamps and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I think, actually. It's so hard because to, you know... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, gross. No, I don't... He was just, like, this, like, regular father living with his family, and I, like, I don't know, because, like, if he made skin lamps, (laughs) I'm pretty sure his wife would be, like... What the hell is this? His wife's like, what a beautiful skin lamp, honey. (laughs) Some of the old, like, fashion lamps, when I was a little girl, I used to think they were skin. (laughs) So I'm trying to Google what serial killer made. Skin lamps. And Google says nipple belt. (laughs) Okay. That was, oh, wasn't it a nipple belt? And I think that was um, I don't the know. Texas Chainsaw guy, wasn't I'm it? sorry, it was Ed Gein who made ah, the skin lamps. See, yes, sorry, everybody. Yes, that's what I mean. It's hard to, you know, to keep them separate because yeah. they're all just so twisted and do the craziest stuff. Now I want to know who made a nipple belt. No, I, I'm pretty sure that was um, the Texas Chainsaw guy. Uh, well, maybe it was Ed Gein, too. Cause yep, it was it Ed was Gein. It was Ed Gein. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. He was crazy. Mm-hmm. They all were. Okay. So- Needless to say, I mean, after finding 26 bodies <laughs> underneath Gacy's house, they there was a good possibility that Stephen could have been one of them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So they ended up sending his dental records over to Chicago to see if he was among one of those victims. And luckily, you know, the family, I'm sure, was happy to know he was not. But Gacy, 26 bodies in his crawl space under his house, like, mm-hmm. that's, that's ballsy. Mm-hmm. There was more on his property, too. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so he was not a victim, and so they cleared that whole theory. But now here is where our story turns, and we get the little twist. So May 5th, 1979, which is 15 months later, Stephen's dad, he just chilling on his couch, and the doorbell rings. And who is it? But it's his son, and he's alive, and he's well, but he's very confused, and he claims that he woke up in a field in Pittsville, Massachusetts, over 700 miles east from where his belongings were found. Bizarre. We're talking 15 months later. In fact, where he was found, from where he was last seen, or his stuff was found, you could actually draw a perfect straight line on a map. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's cool, right? Weird. Mm-hmm. 
even weirder, he woke up in completely unknown clothing, unknown shoes to him, a different backpack, glasses. Now, I'm not sure if it was eyeglasses prescription or sunglasses because a lot of places said different things, but I know he definitely had $40 in his pocket. And he also had a Wisconsin marathon marathon shirt on, hmm. on him. Not, I don't know if it, he was wearing it or if it was in his bag, but this also is crazy. There was maps and like hitchhiking signs that he had traveled widely through Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Chicago, and Utah, but he had absolutely no memory of the past 15 months. And I guess he didn't have any idea what date it was until he stumbled over to a little variety store and got a local newspaper. So I'm sorry, you said he had maps of those locations and hitchhiking signs saying where he was going? Yeah, like when I see like hitchhiking, like when I was reading about hitchhiking signs, I think it just meant like there was signs to him that he was hitchhiking. Like he had been hitchhiking probably on the maps. Like, you know, he had written on the maps or something, but there was some kind of sort of sign that he was hitchhiking. I see. Interesting, right? So he went missing from the Lake Michigan area. Yes. And then somehow 15 months later still ended up in pittsfield a straight exact line across the map exactly right across the map 700 miles east from where he was wow just woke up in a field do we know if the latitude and longitude was matched up just curious i don't know Hmm. like if it was a straight line if if what is that the longitude yeah the longitude would be the same be interesting to find out yeah we could definitely look into that I mean, and Pittsfield is close to where he was originally from. So were his parents still in Deerfield? Pittsfield was, I want to say, 40 miles from where he was originally from. Yeah, I think if you look up Pittsfield from, yep, 40, yeah, 40 miles away from Deerfield. Now, I don't know if you're going to get into it, but isn't there a lot of UFO sightings in that area? Yes. Okay. And Pittsfield or or the surrounding towns. I think Lenox, just south maybe? No, I wasn't going to get into that actually. Um, I, no, I have, an, I have not done any research on UFO sightings in Pittsfield. Okay. I It rings a bell because that's where I go hiking. Hmm. And somewhere over there in one of those towns... There's a tourist attraction over there that you can stop at, and it's something to do with UFOs. I haven't looked into it. Wow. But it's it's very close by to Pittsfield. I I'd know love that. to go and visit that. Yeah, we should. We should. Hopefully we'll get abducted. Let's cross our fingers. Let's, let's hope so. Yeah, so, um, yeah, look into that and see if there's any, you know, sightings or just a lot of UFO sightings in that area. That's a really good question. Actually, it says... Netflix reboots Unsolved Mysteries featuring Pittsfield aliens. Wow, girl. You just, yep. Yeah, in 2020, it came out. Well, great job. Great job. (laughs) To me or Unsolved Mysteries? (laughs) um, Both of you. But, yeah, so that is extremely interesting. The fact that there's definitely some kind of history there. Okay, I'm sorry to um, keep going with this, but it's called the Tom Reed UFO Memorial Park, and it's in Sheffield, Mass. Mm. Um, I can't tell from the map exactly how many miles it is, um, but it's just south of Pittsfield. Wow. So the area is definitely known for UFO activity for sure. So cool. That just definitely makes me lean more towards that theory. 
Well, I mean, it's, it's habitated, obviously people live out there, but it's very, very woodsy. It's part, it's part of the Appalachian trail. So it's miles and miles of woods. Right. So it's a good, it would be a good place. Yeah. So yeah, he just had absolutely no idea that like what had happened and like what, what amount of time had really passed. Like he couldn't, you know, believe it. But when he had realized where he was, I guess he was about 20 miles away from Great Barrington. Yep. And Mm -hmm. that is where his aunt lived. So it's not exactly clear how he got there, but I'm assuming he probably hitched a ride Mm -hmm. or, you know, used his $40 in his pocket and, Mm -hmm. you know, called a taxi or something um, and got himself a ride over to his aunt's. And then she brought him to go and, you know, go back and reunite with his family in South Deerfield. So he woke up in a field. Yep. And did he immediately know where he was? Did no. he know who he was? Um, he knew who, who he was. Okay. He actually felt of like complete and sound mind. He had like, he just could not remember anything. The last, he did have memory of everything up to his disappearance. Okay. He did. Yeah. Um, so in an interview, when once he was home, you know, he, he didn't do a lot of interviews. He's, he only did, I think, maybe a couple or maybe even just one. But he said, I feel like I've done a lot of running. Weird, right? Mm-hmm. He just Especially felt, with that shirt. Yeah, it just felt to him like he had done a lot of running. Do you think his calf muscles were like <laughs> super sore and, you know? Like, how do you feel like you've done a lot of running? You know? Yeah, you'd be sore. Yeah, you might have just shin splints. Like sore. And yeah. he had that shirt. Right, that shirt is like yeah. telltale. Is there any evidence of him running running that marathon? So that's a really interesting um, point. Now, there is no record of him running that marathon with his name on that record. But some people believe that if he really was not like right, or he was in this like delusional like state that maybe, or even if this was intentional, that he might have wrote himself in as somebody else. Okay. I believe there was only one participant in that marathon at that time that was from like Tokyo, which is just everybody else was like local. And there was just like one participant that wasn't. So that stood out. I don't remember the name that it was listed as, but- it was very interesting. I, I thought into that real quick too. So the person from Tokyo, was that the one person they couldn't identify because he was from so far away, supposedly? There was a name. There was okay. a name, but you know. Back then they didn't have the internet, so they couldn't They Google. weren't verifying yeah, any kind of, right. You were. probably just signed a sheet, you know, when you right. got there. Right. So if he was intentionally running off, he was smart enough to not have any trail, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know? But why would you come back and you know, not, you know, it doesn't make sense that he would run off because I mean, well, let's get to the, let's get to the end first. Right. Yeah. Cause then we can talk about our theories. Yeah. I but have a theory. Good. Good. I love that. So felt like he did a lot of running. He remembered everything right up to his disappearance. He said the last thing that he remembered was that he felt really cold and scared. That was the last thing he could remember. I mean, he was in a ski trail. He doesn't remember getting hurt. He doesn't remember, you know, he just remembers being cold and scared. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But he believed that his blackout could have been from exhaustion and exposure. And he agreed to see a medical doctor, but he refused to see a psychiatrist. He insisted that he had a healthy frame of mind when he set off on his ski trip and that he still, he still did. He still was in the right frame of mind. 
So he was just really adamant that he did not want anything to do with talking to a psychiatrist. I mean, that could be for a couple of reasons. Maybe he just didn't want to be labeled, have that label on him. You know, maybe he didn't want to be diagnosed with that, with any kind of mental disorder. Maybe he thought maybe he had it and he was afraid and he didn't want to have that confrontation with the medical professional in and psychiatry. Back then, it it was very taboo to have true. any kind of mental illness. That's true. Um, and yep. this kind of ties into my theory, mm. I think. I like that. So he did end up saying in a report that he told reporters that he wanted to retrace his steps, but we don't know if he ever did. We just don't know. Um, but for decades, he's refused to be interviewed. He won't even respond back to anybody reaching out to him. He just he just won't. But he did write a book. I was going to say, I think I remember that. Yes. Yes. But right now, he's actually a successful psychologist. Okay. Yeah. I want to say he's in Seattle. I want I don't know why. Can you Google it? I think yeah. it's... Seattle, Washington, that he's that he's at, um, still working. I went to his, I went to a website and I looked at everything that he, you know, all his um, specialties. Yeah, it says Pacific Northwest. Yeah, but more specifically, he wrote a book called Meta Mathematical yeah, Foundations of Existence. Yeah. Is that Godel? Godel, Quantum, God, and Beyond? That's really interesting. Yeah, so mathematical mathematical foundations of existence, Godel, Quantum, God, and Beyond, and the books about inconsistencies and incompleteness of our understanding of reality. Wow. Yeah, deep, right? I want to read his book. Me too. I don't know why I haven't over the past week. Yeah. You can get it on Kindle. Interesting. Yeah. So that's cool. So, but then the next year, he actually co-authored a book with a guy named Dylan James Quarles, who turns out to be a friend of his, like, I think up six years before he disappeared, Mm -hmm. he was friends with this guy. Um, And so they actually co-wrote a book and it's called The Quantum Biography of Stephen Kubaki. And it tells supposedly the whole entire true story of his disappearance, starting from, you know, his whole life, his whole childhood up until his disappearance and then after. So it's definitely probably some good reads, Mm -hmm. but it really makes you wonder. You know, it does. It makes you wonder. Now, I know that in the book that he co-authored, the one, the biography, that one, he actually talks about alternate time frames or timelines okay yeah so okay yeah so in that book he talks about alternate timelines and steven's own assertion that our universe is at best incomplete and at worst inconsistent so that's interesting too so yeah both of those books are interesting we can talk about theories now okay i mean that's that's the story so Obviously, UFO alien abduction is number one mm-hmm. on the, on, you know, and then I think like some people even talk about like thinking it was like a divine intervention for him. So if he's writing these books about reality being incomplete or our universe being incomplete, mm-hmm. is this something that he intentionally triggered? Was he able to somehow 
I don't know, skip a timeline or slip dimensions and come back or mm. something? And if so, does he remember it? Does he remember thinking that prior to the disappearance? Is this something yeah. that he did to trigger it? Or Yeah, like, does he really, does he really remember, like, you know, what happened? But he, for some reason, doesn't want to release. Mm -hmm. Maybe because if he did... Well, they'd kill him. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't already if he's writing books like that, but... I'm very curious, and so we'll have to read that and come back. We, we definitely to it. should. We should do a part two to this after we read that, just to kind of give, you know, listeners a better idea. Okay. And my first thought, my first theory, which maybe maybe you have written down, but um, it reminds me of Sybil. Um, Sybil had multiple personalities. Mm -hmm. There is a theory about the personality associative yes. disorder. So, I, and I know I'm going to use the wrong term, but with multiple personality disorder, I think it's DID now is what they call it. Hmm. Um, but if you have DID or at least with Sybil, I remember when I read Sybil, she would black out when she switched personalities long term. Mm. And one of the things that happened to her was, I think she was in, I don't know, she must've been nine or 10 years old or something she switched personalities for almost an entire school year and she couldn't remember the math that she learned for that year so the next year in school as a new personality she she had no memory of it wow so that makes me wonder if mm -hmm. he had something like that i just quickly looked up if people with did know that they have it and it does say that they they can be aware that they have multiple mm -hmm. personalities so that would make sense why he might not want to go to see and a psychologist. It, and that makes sense. It may be why he continued his education to be a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. maybe he was trying to understand his own head, mm -hmm. you know, and help mm -hmm. others with the same kind of, that's a wicked good theory. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like leaning towards that just as much as I am leaning towards UFOs. I mean, you know me, I just love everything aliens. I want aliens to be the answer to everything. Uh, yeah, I do too. But I mean, and I mean, there is, like you said, there is a lot of now knowing in um, Pitt's field, Pittsfield, yes. you know, now knowing that there is some kind of, you know, correlation. That's interesting. That even, like I said, kind of persuades me a little even more. Mm -hmm. It's just so bizarre. Like why, you know, the whole theory that he did this on purpose, like why, why would he show up with all this stuff and claim that he didn't, you know, know it was his and why the big story, you know? I mean, and I'm sorry, just to go back a little bit. The other thing I was going to say, too, is that if the multiple personality switch at that point that caused the blackout was caused by a traumatic experience, like the last thing he remembers is being cold and scared. Could that have triggered something in his brain to switch personalities? And because yeah. your brain, your brain, excuse me, your yeah. brain does that. It blocks the trauma. Mm -hmm. Um of yeah. what you're going through so right. that you don't have to deal with that. I think that's what DID does to protect you. So I don't know. Interesting. He was scared. Yeah. He was super scared and the ele he was exposed to the elements and, yeah. you know, maybe. But then again, why is his stuff just left behind? Right. Like, and the tracks leading to the ice edge. I mean, his it was clearly his boots. and No it, other prints. No, no other prints around, just his and... With the way the skis were even placed, like it wasn't like he was, you know, running and in a panic in a rush or something. It was like they were just put so neatly facing the lake, which, which some people speculate it's obvious he was pl planned it because he saw they, something. Yeah, he saw something. He, he saw walked something. out to the lake, you know, onto the ice like he had done before, 
and walked right up to the edge and then why and got do, abducted why do we see now no i'm other? thinking he was abducted yeah right because because of those footprints right but again super smart man psych you know obviously gonna go on to be a psychologist like he already knows probably how to you know manipulate the mind into thinking a different way maybe it was set up to be that way for a reason did he make a lot of money from these books no, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I don't even see them anywhere for sale as a hard cover. It's, I'm only seeing Kindle for okay. um, at least the so the one that he wrote himself. There was no real monetary gain, and he didn't do it for fame because he doesn't even want to be interviewed. Right. So oh, that's, he definitely doesn't want to be interviewed. No. Right. So you have a really interesting theory about the whole multiple personality or the disassociative personality thing. I think that's a really good. Um, you're onto something there. I kind of was thinking. The fact that he had previously, right, went to Germany and he had that affair with that professor, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure back then, especially with like a Christian family and a Christian school, if he was to like say, you know, get this woman pregnant while he was studying abroad, right? Now, this theory may be a little far fetched, but what do you think about the fact that like, he would be obviously that's a taboo thing. He it's out of wedlock back mm-hmm. then, right? And with the Christianity, I'm sure it wouldn't have been an easy, right? So like he comes home, he finishes, he almost finishes, and like do you think he made this big elaborate thing to like innocently be able to just kinda have a new life over there for a little while and spend some time with his kid. But then how would you just be like, all right, I know you for a few months and I'm leaving. Like, you know, I don't know. It Do we really know mean. how long he w- he studied abroad? How long before the disappearance um, when he came home? How long was it? Was she pregnant and he left when she had the baby? Is I mean, that what happened? I mean, there is no evidence of her being pregnant. Oh, I see. I I'm see, just I assuming. See. I'm just coming up with some kind of theory. Like maybe yep, there was a yep. reason to go back to Germany, yep. but and he didn't want to be truthful about that reason. So he was there for the birth, maybe say, or I don't know. That's just thinking. And it didn't work out or whatever. And then he wanted to come back and to then his he's other got life. No excuse, because right? Right. And it's like, how do you come back? Because you just had. I mean, I don't know. He did a lot of running he, in Germany. <laughs> and it really isn't clear on how close he was with his parents either. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I know that they kind of, you know, didn't, they didn't see eye to eye a lot before he went to college. I mean, he earned a scholarship to a prestigious school in um, Deerfield, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably where they expected him to go. But he just up and went to Michigan. That itself is, right. to me, kind of... Like, right. why? Did he already have some kind of alien connection? Maybe. You know? Did he already? I mean, he was always in the woods. He was always out there. And especially if he was hiking in those areas where we know now that there has been a lot of sightings. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and, like, did he plan this? Did he have it planned? But he wanted to go on a solo trip. It's not unlike him to go on a solo trip, but maybe it was solo for a reason. I remember another story of an abduction or a thought to be abduction that happened on the Cape. Mm. Um, and it was a guy, we can talk about it another time, but it was a guy who was taking a bus to um, the Air Force Base on the Cape. And he got off the bus and was waiting for somebody to come get him 
to take him to the base. And he looked up and he saw a bright light coming at him. And then he woke up somewhere else and doesn't remember any anything of it. Anything in the middle. And yep. The people from the base, I don't know if it's a sergeant, I don't know anything about the military, but whoever was coming to get him from the base went there and he was like AWOL and all this because they went there and waited for him at the bus station. He never came. Um, and he insisted that he was there, but then something happened and he lost his memory. So wow. it's interesting. And he did come back, but I don't remember like where he woke up or anything, but it's similar. So it very well could be an abduction. Is there any other theories? I wonder if like a lot of abductions are this way. Like, I wonder if they just don't have any memory, and you know, like you men know? in black. You, yeah, you wouldn't know. Take your memory you away. You would have no idea. It's not even like it's something you're hiding because yeah. you just don't know. Right. Imagine how scary that must be to wake up in a field somewhere and have no freaking clue where you are. And in different clothes and yeah. like money in your pocket. And you're like, how did I get this money? Yeah. That's crazy. So if he's abducted, though, the aliens aren't giving him 40 bucks. No, I mean, they're not no. having him run a marathon. Only I mean, thing I could think is like, no, they're definitely not. That's another thing. It's like only thing I could think is like, unless they knew that was human money and they he had it on him originally no way. in they his don't, pocket. There's no benefit to... And they sent him back with it so he wouldn't be... Asked no. out. I don't think so either. No, because he doesn't I remember agree. anyway. So I know. It doesn't I agree. matter. I agree with that. Like, why? Why would there be money in his pocket? Unless, you know, unless the aliens just took pants off somebody, they didn't freaking check the pockets, <laughs> and they just put them back on someone Dressed else. Dressed them in someone else's yeah, clothes. Yeah, they, they have all, you know, they have this huge closet of human clothes, and they're just like, I need a size 38, <laughs> you know? Like, so. It's possible. I mean, it's it's definitely possible. So. Are there other theories? It's it's just those mostly that like, you know, he intentionally did this to just kind of start a new life somewhere and it didn't work out, you know, and then I kind of just branched off of that with the whole like, just thinking about him having the affair. Yeah, the possibilities. And, right. So that's something. Um, and then obviously the UFO abduction, you mm -hmm. know, um, I definitely heard people talking about the multiple personality, like disassociative theory as well. But that's pretty much it. I mean, if, if anybody has their own theory on this case, we would love to know about it. So let us know in the comments what you think happened to Stephen Kubaki, please. Yes, please. And thank you for everybody who's supported us so far. Um, yeah, because we're brand new. Yeah, so we appreciate it. And um, I, whatever you listen on, uh, YouTube, Spotify, I think we're on Pandora, Google Podcasts, um, if you could leave us a review. Um, and yeah, that would be great. Yeah, and we look forward to lots of more mysterious content to come. Yes, and next week it's my turn to yeah. tell a spooky, spooky tale. That's how we're going to do it for the most part. We're going to alternate. And sometimes we'll probably have a week if they're both short stories. We'll put them together. Yeah, I have a couple good short ones too. So Yeah. Okay, guys, sorry about last week. I just wanted to let you know, um, I definitely had a feeling that aircrafts did not dump waste out over the sky over <laughs> over different communities but um i didn't research it i just took other people's word for it and when i did a quick google search after the fact i realized no they do not do that in fact um if ever there's any blue ice to be found it was due to a leak so it's not like there is you know a you know these airlines purposely dumping human waste yeah but it's dyed blue so it's that dyed if blue it, if there's a leak if there's a leak correct yeah, so you weren't right. you weren't wrong well i just you know i was in the last episode i mentioned that it sounded crazy to me that i didn't think that could happen <laughs> but you know i really that was a lesson learned you know make sure you look into every little thing if it doesn't sound 
sound right. So yeah, sorry about that, guys. But yeah, bear with us. And uh, we look forward to the next episode. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be fun. Do we do we give them like an idea of what the next episode is going to be? Or should we not just in case we want to change it on them? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we won't tell them. We'll keep it secret, a spooky secret okay. between friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. <laughs> thank you so much for your support. And we will see you in two weeks. Keep, keep it, it mysterious. mysterious. Bye. Bye.